0: So, uh, the story features today in our text a, a strange wrestling match. What would it be like to be on your way to wherever you were going to accomplish an important task and suddenly in front of you there is a formidable and mysterious grappler wishing to wrestle with you? Well, the movie The Princess Bride has its own interpretation of what that might look like. I know, I'd like to watch the whole movie, wouldn't we all? Kind of a fun, fun, now that's a formidable object in front of you, right? Um, Let's have a, let's have a quick prayer. Lord, on this uh, beautiful day, uh, fill our imaginations with this story and what it means for our lives. A God that is persistent, a God who asks us to be persistent as well, and even perhaps wrestle together in order to live into our future. In your name we pray, amen. So, Jacob was preparing to meet his brother Esau. However, these two fraternal twins, as you may recall, had some unresolved issues. Even in the womb, Jacob grabbed Esau's heel, attempting to become the firstborn. Esau, it turns out, was born first, but Jacob used trickery to steal from Esau both the birthright and blessing of the firstborn. Now, today it would be uh, similar to stealing your family's inheritance from your sibling, uh, along with uh, a lucrative contract for a guaranteed future of good fortune or something like that. There was a lot riding on this. So after such uh, shenanigans as these, Jacob was forced to flee from his home or Esau, likely would have killed him. Under the stars one night in the desert, Jacob had a dream, you know this story, where God descended on a staircase to promise Jacob that God would always be with him, that he would bless him, and that his descendants would be uh, many and a blessing to the world. He would be blessed to be a blessing. Jacob went on from there to live with his uncle Laban, marry two of his daughters, start a family of 12, and experience great success and riches. Then one day, God told Jacob that he must return to his homeland and the place where God's promises would unfold for Jacob and his children. And of course, what else when he went home? Face Esau, right? As a result, Jacob, a man known for being confident and always uh, on top of things, he'd get the drop on everyone, right? was feeling uncharacteristically vulnerable. He set out with his entourage to meet Esau, only to hear that Esau was approaching with 400 men. That wasn't in our lesson today, but it's a bigger narrative. It was Esau's tension perhaps to destroy him? He wondered, wouldn't we wonder the same thing? So Jacob sent delegations in waves, each one bearing elaborate gifts to soften up his brother. Eventually, in an act of cowardice and desperation, Jacob had sent everyone, including his own family, ahead of himself, leaving Jacob alone for an eventful evening on the banks of the river Jabbok, where he met Andre the Giant. And yet he needed to be alone, perhaps, for there was someone he needed to see. For there standing before him in the darkness of night was a mysterious man who began to wrestle with him. Why not? Jacob couldn't see who it was, but the man was formidable and said nothing. Could it be Esau? No, no not hairy enough. Then again, maybe uh, since Jacob had once disguised himself as Esau, maybe Esau was now disguising himself. That would be poetic justice, huh? There was little doubt, I think, in the mind of Jacob that Esau was somehow a part of this encounter. Yet his identity remained hidden. They wrestled into the night, neither one gaining the upper hand, until finally the mystery man struck Jacob's hip out of joint. (laughs) Whoa, major move, a surprisingly powerful move for for someone who was unable to prevail. Yet Jacob continued wrestling, even with his hip out of joint, until the man said to Jacob, let me go, it's almost sunrise. The implication seems to be here that the assailant did not want his uh, face seen in daylight, that uh, the wrestling match and, and his presence must remain an encounter in the dark night of Jacob's soul. But Jacob would not let go of the man. He said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. So Jacob senses that this man is not just any man, but someone who possesses not only the power to suddenly cripple him, but also to bless him. What is your name, asks the mysterious wrestler. Jacob. And then the mystery man renamed him. You will no longer be called Jacob but Israel, for you have strived with God and with humans and have prevailed. Now, this was a dramatic name change. The name Jacob, interestingly, means trickster, uh, overreacher, or just heel. Get it? Back in the womb, he grabbed Esau's heel, and that's where we get the expression, by the way, so-and-so is such a heel. Accurate about Jacob's nature, but not particularly complimentary. His new name, Israel, means God rules, God protects, God preserves. A step up, I'd say. Jacob tried to get the man's name, but it was not forthcoming. The mystery man did one last thing before he left he blessed Jacob. Now, it never says who this mysterious wrestler is. Who do you think it is? An angel? A demon, Esau in disguise, Jacob's conscience. The wrestler in this story is, uh, is God. And so the place where they wrestled is named uh, Penuel, literally, the face of God. God protects, God also puts hips out of joint, okay? So, the man who will now be limping for his life is surrounded by grace. The grace given in the blessing. The grace given in the name Israel. A clear victory, but a qualified one. Meanwhile, Israel is born, not as a reward for faithfulness and goodness, but rather out of a stubborn and conniving man named Jacob. In a knockdown, drag-'em-out wrestling match with God. And yet Jacob was also a man who did not run, was persistent, as uh, Jenny has already pointed out, and engaged. Let that be a lesson to all of us. Be persistent and engage and wrestle. Wrestle with God and see where it leads. And while God didn't treat Jacob with kid gloves, for sure, God did make good on an earlier promise. He blessed Jacob, gave him a future, and a boy did he give him a future. But what, first of all, what kind of strange behavior for God here? What kind of a God would have a wrestling match with a mere mortal and end up in a draw? And how is this story our story? For instance, if you got into a wrestling match with God, what what would your strategy be? Go for the legs? Or, do you do we didn't see this scene, but would you get behind him like Wesley did with, uh, with the giant and jump on his back? Uh, just trying to be practical here. How do you wrestle God? Let's try to find our place in this story. Let's just apply this and then we'll be done. Uh, Jacob sought reconciliation with Esau, but before he could do that, Jacob had to deal with God God was telling Jacob and he's telling us now that how we treat our brother, our sister, our neighbor is God's business, God's right smack in the middle of it. In God the Midnight Wrestler, uh, we clearly see not only an advocate for, but an embodiment of the wounded and angry Esau, the cost of Jacob's misdeeds. God, the wrestler, confronts us with our wrongs against each other because these wrongs, they matter to God. So, when we need to reconcile with our brother, we need to reconcile with God, too. In this world, there is no such thing as a sacred, secular split, you know, that there are godly things in places and there are worldly things in places. Everything is sacred because this whole world belongs to God. On Friday, millions of young people around the world took the streets in protest. Did you follow the news? Yeah. You know what their message was? That, that, that you and me of a certain generation, the generations who are currently in power, are stealing the future, (laughs) Jacob-like, stealing the future of the young because we are letting the climate heat up in dangerous ways. We're benefiting from a lifestyle based on burning fossil fuels, but we're robbing their futures because there will be, uh, shall we say, heck to pay down the road. So perhaps we older adults are a lot like Jacob here, while the millions of youth are becoming this formidable wrestler in front of us who will not go away. You with me? This lesson can show up in many different ways. Um, Here's one. Greta, Greta Thunberg, the Swedish teenager, will not go away. She's embodying the persistence of God. This isn't only about the persistence that we are called to, to engage God. God's persistent too, and boy, is she waging quite a wrestling match. And make no mistake, that wrestler is not just Greta. Hi, Greta. Not just Greta, but a bu- or just a bunch of kids. It's, it's God. And it's God saying to all of us, what are you doing to my creation? A world that you will bequeath to your children and your grandchildren. We have to go to the mat, you and I, says God. A similar scenario is playing out with youth who are wrestling with our, nation, our nation's conscience over, over gun proliferation. That's the same thing there. Well, God sends wrestlers In many different forms and uh, after Jacob's time they were called prophets eventually Jesus and of course our planet's young people in what other forms does God show up to wrestle you and help you to face your past and your present is it uh, what do you think is it your biggest critic perhaps a disgruntled family member Black Lives Matter? I know it's controversial. Many of us might say, well, they're a pain in the butt standing right in the middle of the freeway, aren't they? And there they are, ready to wrestle. But this story is about much more than God holding us accountable. The story tells us a lot about the life of faith, persistence, and God's grace. Sometimes it is said, I think, that uh, faith makes your life peaceful and tranquil. And certainly there's some truth to that. But for Jacob, that was not the case in this story. Faith engaged him in a struggle. God is persistent, we learn, but so are we too called to be persistent and struggle. It's easier in some ways to avoid struggle at all costs, isn't it? To live a life of denial, to hold grudges or blame others all the time. A life of faith will have none of that. It calls us to face our brokenness and our false gods and to trust in God to reconcile our messy lives. Things like forgiveness and reconciliation, however, are not easy things. Because they're worked out in the context of relationships, face-to-face. Forgiveness is not just a transaction that happens in God's heavenly books. It's costly to God and to us, and it might leave us with a limp. Facing God and our true selves can take a piece out of us. No, Jacob's faith does not make him tranquil, but leads him to struggle and continue struggling until he's blessed by God. Soon after, he would face his brother Esau, by the way, and Jacob slash Israel would see God's face again in the face of his astonishingly forgiving brother Esau. Reconciliation was now complete. I think... Mount Carmel, as a faith community, is called to persistence here, too. To wrestle with God about what our future looks like. And it will not come without a struggle. It is a struggle. Don't walk away from the struggle. Engage. So instead of wrestling with your brother or your neighbor to gain advantage for yourself, wrestle with God who will set you straight and even bless you. You may walk with a limp, but you'll be surrounded by grace as God prepares a future for you. Amen.